1: And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit carvana.com or download the
2: app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hey, don't skip ahead yet. Listen to this. You can now follow our Patreon page for free. Now to be clear, you're not going to get any of the bonus content like the Shadow Docket or the after party, but you're absolutely going to get email alerts when there's a new free episode and you can comment under those free episodes, but if you'd like to get our bonus content, you need to subscribe for just $5 per month on that Patreon page. You'll get access to the exclusive Shadow Docket shows twice per week, featuring uncensored commercial-free talk about everything that didn't fit into the free show. Plus, you're going to get access to the Patreon app and the chat room, and you'll be supporting this fully independent podcast as we guide you through the chaos of the 2024 election year. So get going. Again, that's bobseskashow.com or patreon.com slash And now I'll let the cartoons begin. No! The Bob Seska Show. Bob
3: Seska. I'm Bob. Hi, Bob. Hi, Bob. The Bob Seska Show.
2: From our nation's capital, it is Thursday, January 25, 2024, and this is the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Little Podcast Network. Hi there, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, day 1100 of the Biden-Harris administration, 285 days until the 24th presidential election. You find me on threads and Instagram. The Bob Seska is my handle. Twitter, Bob Seska underscore go patreon com, and those people they're the goth ninjas yeah. it is Jody Hamilton the executive producer of the Stephanie Miller show yeah. patreon.com slash Stephanie Miller show and David T. Rex Ferguson the music project is astral summer dot band dot com also patreon.com slash astral summer Links in the description, as always. I I fail to mention that every single show, that if you go to the description and click on Jody's name or David's name, it will take you to the links I always talk about at the top of the show. Just a helpful hint for those of you who are interested in uh, supporting Jody's work, David's work, Stephanie Miller's work, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Lots of links for you to click. Okay, goth ninjas, lots to talk about today. Uh, we're gonna get into the aftermath of New Hampshire here. I've got a like a shit ton of audio clips. I've got Kaylee McEnany, I've got Donald Trump, I've got Nikki Haley, I've got Marjorie Taylor Greene, I've got Jesse Waters. Maybe this isn't a good thing to say at the beginning of the show. <laughs> yeah, I
3: don't know, everyone's like, I can hear all those people going, oh, Jesse Waters, click.
2: Yeah, everyone's screaming at their podcast player. No, no, no. Please don't. Bob. No. Oh, you know what? Breaking news right here out of the gate. And I'm so glad that this happened before the show, because normally something like this would happen after the show. Well, something will happen after the show. I mean, that's the way it always works. But suffice to say, uh, Judge Mehta has now sentenced Peter Navarro to four months in prison for criminal contempt. Couldn't happen to a better guy, right? He was not, Did uh,
4: they cart him off immediately? No.
2: There's no ruling yet on whether he can stay out pending an appeal. And obviously he's uh, going to appeal. And this is the same sentence that Steve Bannon got, of course. And this calls to mind something we've talked about extensively on this show, which is that why do people keep defending Donald Trump and going to prison for it? Don't, don't they know? I mean, don't they understand what happens to people in Donald Trump's inner circle? They go to jail, or they embarrass themselves, or Donald Trump throws them under a bus. I mean, we could start doing the list of Donald Trump inner circle people who got absolutely burned because of him. And that list would be far longer than the list of people who are still okay, like Stephen Miller. Well,
4: that kid that got thrown out of the New Hampshire party. Yeah, yeah. David what? Quatrio or something. I don't know his last name. Uh-huh. Apparently, he was—he worked for the campaign, yeah. knocked on 12,000 doors, blah, blah, blah. And they kicked him out of the victory party the other day. And he's like, I can't believe the unity is bullshit. Blah blah. blah. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I tweeted at him going, Donald told them to do it.
2: Why did they kick him out?
4: He, he never found out.
2: I wonder if they found out that he was uh, leaking to the Democrats or something, or leaking to Nikki Haley.
4: No, 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 no. He's a big... Maga guy. He was at J Six. He threatened police officers. He's a maggot.
2: Oh 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 oh. So J Six. That's why he got thrown out.
4: Maybe. I mean, he he never he hasn't been ch- charged with a crime. He's out, He's not even out on bail. He just there. There's no proof that he actually went in, but he did tell pieces of shit police officers to go hang themselves. There's video of that. Oh
3: fuck. Okay, I get it now.
4: But he was photographed with Alina Habba, so it could have been that.
3: What's wrong with getting photographed with Alina Habba?
4: Well, she lied to the she lied to the court and saying she. Had, she didn't feel well and had COVID, and that's why they had to delay today's trial to today. <laughs>
2: that's right. And then
4: she showed up in New Hampshire on fucking Tuesday.
3: Oh, God, these fucking clowns. Yeah. yeah.
2: The, well, yeah, that's exactly it. She was kind of exposed, but that's her fault. She right, showed up. and the kid's
4: fault. Right, and she right. took a f- picture with them. So what the fuck?
2: Oh, by the way, speaking of that, this is a, uh, a clarification on something I was talking about on Stephanie's show yesterday morning. I said uh, there was a TV show about a character who used COVID to get out of going to an event, pretended to have COVID. And of course, right after I was done with yesterday's segment, uh, I ran into Kimberly's room and I said, what was that show that we saw where someone used COVID as an excuse? And she was like, duh, it was Carrie Bradshaw in And Just Like That, so. There that was the actual show where that happened, and I I wouldn't be surprised if that's what Alina Haba did. Like she pretended to have COVID to delay the trial. So let's get into New Hampshire. Jesus fucking Christ! Right? No. Sorry, I just
3: yeah. I just, I just with these fucking people, and they're like you know notes from their mom or whatever. Alina can't come to court today. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it's just uh, the fucking clown show.
2: Right? It's a Juan Epstein thing, isn't it?
4: Yeah, signed Haba's mother. <laughs>
3: Exactly.
2: Anyone younger than 50 doesn't know what the hell we're talking about. But there was a show in the 70s called Welcome Back, Cotter. And one of the kids on the show, Juan Epstein, who, by the way, looked like he was 42. Juan Epstein would write these fake notes from his mother saying he mother, couldn't go yeah. to school. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So anyway, uh, New Hampshire. Let's talk about New Hampshire here. Um, first of all, I think the main headline in all of this, and I've been saying this uh, certainly all over uh, Stephanie's show yesterday morning, John saying show last night. I was talking about this with Hal on the interview show yesterday. Okay, so... Joe Biden wasn't on the ballot. We all know this by now, and yet he got seventy percent of the vote, which is ex- which is exactly where he should be as the incumbent president running for yep.
3: renomination. But this right? is the Republican primary. I'm lost.
4: No, no, no. no this there is a Democratic a Demo-
3: primary. Oh, okay, Yeah, yeah right, right.
4: because uh, Marianne Williamson and. Oh. Them- Fucker, motherfucker, that dude guy. Yeah. Daniel, whatever his name is. He was on. They were both on the ballot. Joe Biden wasn't even on the ballot and got more votes than Barack Obama did. Yeah. Who went ran unopposed there, and was on the ballot.
2: There was a guy on the Democratic ballot whose first name was president. And Joe Biden still won without even being on the ballot. And so the reason Joe Biden wasn't on the ballot is because the New Hampshire primary is an unofficial primary. New Hampshire, the Democratic Party there, decided, hey, we're gonna still have a primary here, even though the national party said, nope, we're gonna make the first primary be South Carolina for the Democrats, because South Carolina is a more diverse voting population. Right, There are actual black people in South Carolina who will participate in the primary, <laughs> unlike New Hampshire, right? So that's why they did it. They did a switcheroo. A, we're going to start with South Carolina, and New Hampshire's going to have to go later. New Hampshire said, nuh-uh, uh We're going to do our primary first. Neener, neener, neener. And then Joe Biden's campaign is, like, well, we're not going to be on the ballot then. And yet he still won 70% of the vote in the New Hampshire Democratic primary. Meanwhile, Donald Trump... <laughs> who pretends to be an incumbent president. People still call him president. Lawrence O'Donnell did a great rant about this Tuesday night during the election coverage. And Donald Trump (laughs) got 54% of the vote. 54% of the vote. And so uh, that shows, I think, the inherent weakness of Donald Trump as, I guess, what we can call a presumptive nominee at this point. I have a whole separate conversation here lined up about the polls versus the results. So Trump won with 54% of the vote. Haley landed with a strong 43%. Yeah, she did. But what did the polls predict? This goes to a conversation, obviously, that we've been having for some time now on the show, which is, are the polls accurate anymore? Should we trust the polls? And the consensus is, of course, the polls are janky. And this is gonna be evidence that, yeah, we're, we're right about that all along, so. Let's take the, uh, the most recent, at random, the most recent six polls that dropped for the New Hampshire Republican primary. We'll start uh, with the oldest one first. Emerson College, Trump plus 15. That'd be a big goose egg, that's wrong. Uh, this would be Suffolk University, Trump plus 19. Wrong. Trafalgar Group, Trump plus 23. Wrong. Insider Advantage, Trump plus 28. Wrong. JL Partners, Trump plus 20. And Suffolk University, once again, Trump plus 22. All those polls got it way wrong by like 10 points, 10 points wrong. Even if you factored in the margin of error in favor of the poll prediction, they would still be wild, like 10 points off. That's massive. I'm saying 10 points off on average because, as I said, insider advantage, 28-point difference for Donald Trump. So that gives you an indication of where we are with polling right now. Mm. Assume, assume, and by the way, don't get happy, don't get complacent. Just because the polls are janky doesn't mean that Joe Biden is necessarily up by 5, 10, 15 points. But if you're just looking at the polls and you're trying to game the polls in terms of what's real and what's fake, you can probably in a safe way deduct 10 points from Donald Trump. So there you go. I think that's a pretty decent proof that we continue to face janky polling. The only one I think that was anywhere close. I'm just looking here at the list at 5:38 is a University of New Hampshire survey center poll for CNN, which showed Trump at plus 11. So some of the polls maybe are accidentally correct, but most of these polls show a difference of about 20 points that did not materialize in the New Hampshire primary. Meantime, uh, Kaylee McEnany really pissed off Donald Trump during the (coughs) election coverage on Tuesday night. This is uh, interesting and once again, a candidate for Democratic commercials or Mm -hmm. Biden-Harris re-election commercials. Let's listen to Kaylee McEnany sticking it to uh, Donald Trump by praising Joe Biden's victory Tuesday night.
0: Here's why I say this. This was actually a fairly good night for Joe Biden. When you look at our voter analysis, only 10% said, I would not vote for Joe Biden if he's the nominee. He won a plurality of voters who said he was too old. He won a majority of voters who are upset about the Gaza war. So the divides in the Democrat Party, and this is a small sample size, but perhaps aren't as stark as one would think. But when you look at the Republican Party, 7 in 10 Nikki Haley voters said... I would not vote for Trump. There was a Des Moines Register poll, 43% said, no, I wouldn't vote for Trump. If I'm-
2: and they said no.
0: No. No. <laughs>
2: and they all said it exactly like that.
0: No. I sit back and I exclusively focus on the general election. I take the posture of a presumptive nominee. I focus on number one, uniting the party, and number two, winning the independence, which Nikki Haley won 55 to 39%. That's what I would do. Nikki Haley, I mean, the closest margin is 30% in the states ahead. For all intents and purposes, he's the presumptive
2: yeah, Nikki Haley's uh, done, I think, more or less. Uh, in fact, I'm going to be counterintuitive here and say Nikki Haley should drop out sooner rather than later. Why? No. And I'll give you my, yeah, my justification for that is the more time Donald Trump is solely by himself in the spotlight, the better it's going to be for democracy. Because... I think a lot of voters, and I'm talking about regular voters, the folks, the people who don't pay attention to politics 24-7 like we do, they haven't been really focusing on Donald Trump since, like, January 6th, 2021. So now Donald Trump appears to be the presumptive nominee for all intents and purposes, as Kaylee McEnany was saying, he's probably going to be the nominee. I mean, all things being normal, he's going to be the nominee. And these people need to see Donald Trump and be reminded of why they despise Donald Trump so much in 2020, why they voted against him in 2020. They need to be reminded of that constantly. And the more time Donald Trump is in that spotlight by himself without anyone else running against him in the primary, the more time those people will be able to uh, uh, remind themselves about why they hated Donald Trump in the first place. Obviously dropping out now would extend that timeline between now and November. Right? instead of waiting till Super Tuesday or waiting till uh, March April May somewhere in there um, that's probably okay still that's still enough time for people to go oh that that's right Donald Trump's insane I forgot and there are people who are like that I mean not everyone again is, you know, paying attention to Donald Trump 24-7. There are just normal people who drive their kids to soccer and go to the grocery store and go to their job and do their thing, they sit in traffic listening to podcasts, completely unrelated to politics.
3: You're the lucky stupid bastards.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And suddenly, whammo, they're hit over the head with the uh, orange cartoon-sized anvil. And it's like, ah, fuck. I mean, he is far worse than he was in 2020. Mm-hmm. So uh, Donald Trump, in response to Kaylee McEnany's rant, said this. I don't need advice yeah. from rhino Kaylee McEnany on Fox. I, <laughs> I just had a giant victory over a badly failing candidate, bird brain, and mm-hmm. she's telling me what I can do better. Save your advice for Nikki, he said. <laughs> See?
3: And he was talking about people who, like... totally like sat there and ate shit from a bowl with a spoon on TV for Donald Trump. Kaylee McEnany floated some of the most egregious falsehoods and misdirections of the fucking Trump presidency. And yet she dares to say one tepid thing thing about the new, the election results that she's like bird brain. You know, I just, yeah, he's such a piece of shit.
2: Why do they keep doing it? Why do they keep walking into the Trump propeller? And Kaylee's never going to learn her lesson. <laughs> I mean, this is not going to be one of those things where she goes, oh, that's what he's like. Oh, shit, maybe I shouldn't defend him so much. Maybe I shouldn't put my entire reputation and career on the line as being a Donald Trump disciple. You know, one of the guys who walks at the end of the uh, parade and scoops up all the elephant shit. <laughs> that's what Kaylee McEnany... With and, a spoon. <laughs> with a spoon, right? And Donald Trump being the shitting elephant in this metaphor. So she's doing that and now she's getting uh, an indication of what donald trump does to people in his inner circle people who have vociferously defended him over the years from the press room to the you know the dais at fox news channel and so now she's called a rhino <laughs> donald trump's calling her a rhino for god's sake in the same thought in which he calls nikki haley bird brain Mm-hmm. And you know what? You know what's going to happen? Nikki Haley's going to drop out and endorse Trump.
3: <laughs> that's the, that's yes, the, well. uh, the truly ain't thing. I know. It's
2: like the whole repeat of Tim Scott. That's what it's going to be with Nikki Haley.
4: I don't think she's going to be as groveling as he is. But uh... <laughs> well, that's yeah.
2: It is a that is a, a high uh, bar to clear. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if I don't know if anyone can grovel like Tim Scott groveled Tuesday night. I just
4: that love was, you, Donald. I just
2: love
3: it's you. so gross.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was just, mm, it, it was excruciating. <laughs> it was excruciating. The most excruciating thing since that season of Game of Thrones with yeah. week and yeah and and the torture and. God, that was Tim Scott Tuesday night. So pathetic. Some self-respect, maybe? Dignity for Republicans? No, I don't think so. It's just genuflect before Donald Trump. And by the way, can we stop saying bend the knee and just go back to the word that was intended for that movement? It's called a genuflect. Can we go back to the actual
3: word? That's too many syllables, boot. I guess so. I'm sorry, Bob. That's just not gonna fly.
2: Genuflect, bend the knee. That's the same number of syllables. (laughs)
3: I don't Gen care. It's, they will go with they three were, little words over one big word every time.
4: Oh, but genuflect is such a good word. and It's a gorgeous word, have, but it
3: sounds too much like genitals.
4: <laughs> genuflect, genuflect, mm. genuflect. It's a great word.
2: Yeah, well, because it's uh, Game of Thrones. Bend the knee. It's Game of Thrones.
3: I know. Oh, that I that completely line. get it. No, they're all going off that one, you know, three episodes of, you know, of the terrible, terrible last season of Game of Thrones. God damn it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. I just you know, yeah. Jake Tapper is never going to say the word genuflect. He's, he'll make it because they're like oh, they're so dare they're so damn scared. Someone's going to be like, "Are you smart? <laughs> <laughs> Are yeah. you liberal? Do you know all them big words." You yeah, know, it's, just, effect, it's I, part of our like national consent to be dumbed down and condescended to. Right, right. Yeah,
4: and Tom Tom Lehrer, the uh, comedian, yeah. had a song called "The Vatican Rag." <laughs> And one of the lyrics in the song is genuflect, genuflect, genuflect. It's fucking brilliant.
3: Um, no, it's great, but it's never going to fly. Yeah, I Trust me on this. I know, this I is going to sit in your Scrabble tray forever. Oh, I'm I know. Sorry. I
2: know. There are lots of things like that. Like, I, I'm, so, I'm so over uh, bro. I'm so over that. Like, everything is bro yeah. this and bro. I'm so sick of that. Oh, uh, mean, means I'm Nikki Haley produced the best pro-Democrats ad of this election cycle. Nikki so Haley? Far. Nikki yeah. Haley,
3: Nikki Haley, I just, when I keep going back to Trump being stuck, trying to, get, trying to think of the words Nancy Pelosi. Oh, I and know. just saying Nikki Haley instead no, of- Yeah.
4: It reminded me of Fanny, of uh, uh, Funny Girl when Barbara Streisand's character is going, Nicky Arnstein, Nikki Arnstein, Nicky Arnstein.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the things that voters haven't been thinking about. They don't know how bad Donald Trump has got, how severe his short circuits and gaffes have become. I mean, it was pretty bad three, four years ago. But now Pretty it's bad on the list far worse in there. Yeah, you know, but like right. So uh, as I said, Nikki Haley made the best pro Democrats ad of uh, of the season, and let's let's listen to Nikki Haley. This has got to be a Biden Democrats ad that runs around the clock. I love this.
1: With Donald Trump, Republicans have lost almost every competitive election. Accurate. We lost the Senate. We lost the House. We lost the White House. Mm-hmm. We lost in 2018. Mm-hmm. We lost in 2020. And we lost in 2022. The worst kept secret in politics is how badly the Democrats want to run against Donald Trump.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Trump's a loser.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, love the guy. I love the guy yelling in the background. At one point, Nikki Haley said something about immigration. Then the guy who was yelling in the background goes, Unbelievable! It was like Chris Farley was there or <laughs> like, something. You know, I was going to say, in a
5: van down by the river.
2: Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I was expecting, when Nikki Haley started saying, We lost in 2018. We lost in 2020. We lost in 2022. And then she goes, <laughs> She does the Howard Dean yell.
3: <laughs> uh, poor Howard, man. That was just, I, I mean. Uh,
2: yeah, I know. That was uh, that was really sad. That was one of the worst moments for the American news media, certainly in the last uh, yeah. 20 years. Yeah. Not a good night for uh, the news media. It kind media.
3: of sums up everything, though, yeah. about why the last 25 years have sucked so bad.
2: Because <laughs> that disqualified him from being president?
3: Well, just because they all jumped on it. And they all were just like, ooh, somebody did a thing. And, I mean, you know, nine-year-olds... Mm-hmm. Could have done that level of reporting. Do you know what I mean? Like TikTokers. Yeah. Like I mean, it's like the, instead of going for the highbrow or going for actual journalistic integrity or an intellectual enlightenment or mm-hmm. giving an accurate picture of policy and what we're facing, it just became a clown show. Yeah. You know, and it just yeah. And it does it every time.
2: They'll say it on TikTok. They'll say it on Instagram. They'll say it on Snapchat.
3: Yeah! <laughs> exactly.
2: Anyway, uh, so uh, Trump threatened Nikki Haley with investigations if she starts winning. This is, this is what he's like. This is who he is. This is, the, this is your tyrant, America. This is the guy. This is the guy who wants to be your latex salesman. Let's listen to Donald Trump
5: threatening Nikki Haley with little bit, little stuff. These are very dishonest people and you're always fighting them. And just a little note to Nikki. She's not gonna win. But if she did, she would be under investigation by those people in 15 minutes, and I could tell you five reasons why already. Not big reasons, a little stuff that she doesn't want to talk about. Oh, I
2: hate that so much. Oh God! When he tries to be cutesy, it
3: It just just feels like someone has dumped a paper bag of live spiders on my naked thighs. Like every time he's like,
2: uh, Ah! It makes me want to scream like
3: this. I basically like jam so yeah, ice picks it in my eardrums so I never have to hear it again. You know. I
2: just- <laughs> See, but I'm making the case now, and I'm absolutely serious when I say this: people need to hear him. I was so gratified to hear Chris Hayes do his A Block monologue about this exact thing last night. Yeah. Where he said, "What did he say?" The the banner headline was, "Pay attention. Ignoring Donald Trump will only help Donald Trump." Just going back to that thing, the folks, again, they need to hear him. They need to hear how utterly fucked up he's become, far more fucked up than he ever was four years ago. I assure you. Mm -hmm. I've been following this. (laughs) I've been listening to this man. All this time, while well, everyone's calling him the former guy." Well, now it's time to drop the TFG. He's running for president. He could be the end of democracy. We have to take this threat seriously and get the word out. Otherwise, we are screwed. It is all hands on deck.
5: A little stuff to But she will be under investigation within minutes, and so would Ron have been, but he decided to get out. Ron.
2: Have been? Have been. Uh-huh. Why? 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 Odds are hard. I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, if it's going to be a thing. speech. <laughs> why isn't it Ron has been? The phrase is has been. That guy's a has been. Why does Trump say have been? I guess for the same reason he says the flu pandemic was, uh, what does he say, 1917?
3: A fashionable, yeah. magnetic. <laughs> That's
2: right. Mag.
4: Oh, oh my and then, God. Uh, wait, were we, w- Institute of Death Penalty?
2: Yeah, or what was the other one he was uh, doing the other day? God, I lose track oh, he, of all of them. He called but...
4: Democrats Democroats.
2: <laughs> well, there's, there's that, too. This wasn't a short story. Oh, I know what it was. <laughs> Nimbra. I was trying to unravel this. I've been trying to unravel this for weeks now. What the fuck Nimbra actually means? Because he calls Nikki Haley Nimbra, not just vocally, but on his troths on troths Central? Troth,
5: Truth Central.
2: He says Nimbra. His name asked... is
5: Nimurata, yeah. not Nikki. Right. Nim, right. But... Yeah, yeah it's but,
2: but it's not Nimbra. Nimbra is something no. else. Like he's joking about, or he's making a reference to Like Peekaboo is a reference to a racial stereotype that rhymes with Peekaboo. I'm not going to say the actual word.
3: Maybe he's trying to say the N-word with her name. Uh, it Maybe. could be. I mean, I asked
2: Hal Maybe. yesterday. Hal like, is on top of all the Trumpisms. Hal listens to all of the rallies and the interviews and picks them apart like phrase by phrase down to that granular level i asked him about nimbra and he kind of didn't know it's like i'm not sure maybe it's this it could be no one knows so you know that just
3: it's the capital of nambia yeah
2: but ron have been (laughs) what why what is Ron have been is not the phrase i'm already starting to go nuts can you tell It's like we're, we're, we're
3: very early in the campaign. Season, I know. Bob. I think you might need to get your prescriptions jiggered a little bit.
2: <laughs> but it's one of those things. I hear him say something like Ron have been I'm like,
3: what
5: is that? <laughs>
3: But oh, once again, Bob, I got to hand it to you. Yeah. You called the you 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 were like DeSantis is going to wither and die, like an ant under a magnifying glass in the <laughs> national glare. And boy, did you call it because he just was a complete cartwheeling fireball of failure. Yeah, yeah. With his like hat, his weird ass was I thought Trump's shoes and the way he stands was weird, but then I saw Meatball Rob and. I mean he's like really seriously I mean if you haven't seen the feet you owe it to yourself to go back and do a little like let's go back in time uh, Yeah it's got and, like
2: the the cowboy boots were like curly had like curly toes on them well, almost his like his feet are not all the way in them like a court jester or it's or an so elf weird. or something like that yeah
3: <laughs> anyway, that's but, not helping with the height thing, Ron, the but, elf thing, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. The elephant in the room with this Trump rant about Nikki Haley being investigated is, what, Donald Trump thinks investigations are disqualifying now? Thank you for that. Hey. What the fuck are you doing, Donald. Anyway, that, uh, obviously the hypocrisy. We're in the post-hypocrisy era. None of that matters anymore. All right, well, there's still more to come here. Uh, we've got Trump's numbers with independent voters, and it's tragic. I think GOP yeah. consultants are shitting their expensive pants right now. Plus, uh, Jesse Waters doesn't understand how elections work. <laughs> He's their primetime anchor. He's in that, that sweet, sweet Bill O'Reilly 8 o'clock slot. And he has no idea how elections work. We're gonna listen to a very confused Jesse Waters here in a second. Plus, the Biden economy continues to boom. I've got a bunch of new metrics here that we can start to ballyhoo all over social media. All great news, right, Nikki Haley? No! Uh, Meantime, uh, we've got confirmation from the Pentagon that there was rampant prescription drug abuse throughout the Trump White House. No. Uppers,
3: downers. So sober to me.
2: Yeah. Dr. Ronnie back in the news. Okay. Quick break. Back with more podcasts right after these words.
1: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car, you should love your car. That's why every car we sell is
2: CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
0: Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital.
1: You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out, unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath and Body Products. See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com.
5: Bob Seska.
2: the Thursday podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Dream Kid. And one of the singles uh, we've been rotating here on the show is called Streetlights. Synth pop, man. This is modern synth pop. All the crap from our childhoods are uh, coming back. It's coming back. Stop. So good. All right.
3: Uh, by the way, one you can, I, when I was a teenager, I loved about electronic music was the Just the sheer variety of new sounds.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, uh, you can download this single at bobseska.com. Just click on the link for this episode, dated 12524. Scroll down, and you'll find links to support all the independent recording artists on today's show. Thank you for doing that. Okay. Let's see. Where do we leave off? So Trump's numbers with independent voters in New Hampshire were atrocious. This is one of the things that uh, I think is a solid metric for going forward, because I think this is based on exit polling where they're talking directly with actual voters who are casting actual ballots in an actual election. This isn't phone calls, doesn't deal with landlines versus cell phones versus whatever. This is just a straight up exit poll. So among independents, Trump got 37% and Nikki Haley got 61% of the vote in New Hampshire. That's a, a huge deal. And this is obviously, this and historically, very, very bad for Donald Trump. In fact, previous Republican nominees did much better with independents in New Hampshire in previous years, obviously, than mm-hmm. Donald Trump is doing right now with independents. So this, I think, is a gigantic warning sign that the general mm-hmm. election is not going to turn out as well for Donald Trump as he thinks or as, as his supporters think, so, or as the polls, for that matter, believe. So I
4: hope it's a Goldwater-Miller blowout. Sorry, Stephanie.
2: Yeah, well, you know what? There's a chance it could be that. I mean, it could be a pretty significant victory for Joe Biden. It just just requires us to do the work. You know, I I feel weird. Or Reagan
4: in 84, because he won all but one state, I believe, in 84. Yeah, yeah. Either of those will be nice.
2: I I feel optimistic, as I've been saying. I feel optimistic about the uh, election itself, how election night is going to turn out. I am still deeply worried and a bit terrified <laughs> over the prospect of Donald Trump winning again. And I think there's still a distinct possibility for that, too.
3: We yeah, just I have to do the work. All be yeah. battened down like it's DEFCON 1. Yeah, you know? right, yeah. right. Like everybody needs to be high alert, ready for dirty tricks and misinformation and whatever craziness. Because I, you know, and we also need to bear in mind that when he does lose, he will pretend he didn't. Yeah, so let's you know it's going to be 2020 and 2021 all over again. Yep, get
2: ready for a lot more AI in the course of the campaign. AI disinformation, like we heard with that Joe Biden robocall, and in addition to the actual AI fuckery, bear in mind too that the existence of AI is going to give people like Donald Trump an excuse to wiggle out of any other scandals. Like, if there's a tape that arises where Donald Trump is. Let's say doing the Penguin from Batman Returns thing, where I played this stinking city like a harp from hell. Let's say there's a tape of Donald Trump just bashing the fuck out of his own supporters. These gullible suckers, the reason, you know, it's like that, uh, that, that thing that kind of got debunked about Donald Trump saying, well, I'm a Republican because it's easy to deceive those Republican voters. Uh, if something like that were to come out, Donald Trump will say, well, it's deep fake. It's not real. It's deep fake. And then the press will move on. And so that's, I think, maybe even more of a danger than the actual AI disinformation itself. So, meantime, Jesse Waters, this goddamn troll. Here
3: we go. Yes. Awful human.
2: With his punch-me face, just doesn't understand how American elections work. He doesn't understand the difference between a primary election and the general election. And how these are, we're talking about different populations of people and different preferences, different candidates. So let's listen to Jesse Waters completely bungle this. This is on prime time on Fox News Channel.
5: How can you say that the guy
2: who's beating me. And- Already he sounds drunk. He sounds
3: so stoned. <laughs> exactly.
2: How can you say.
3: Greenland
2: Ta-ta. is a strategic place. Greenland is <laughs> a strategic
3: place up there.
4: Their green room is full of booze. Let's try it more like
3: Dr. Ronnie is backstage just like handing out there like you know go. pick <laughs> a pocket How can, up say-
5: How can you say that the guy who's beating
2: me and will beat me for the rest of the primary will lose the general election and then the loser of the Republican primary,
5: Nikki Haley, will win the general election. Because that's her argument and I don't understand it. Do you?
2: Yes, because the general election is different from the primary it's a because different the...
3: dynamic than the primary voter. Yeah.
4: Right. I it's... mean and by the way, we've only had two very small, very white states vote.
2: Exactly. And we're talking about uh, a primary where Donald Trump is running against Nikki Haley and and Mm -hmm. a handful of people are voting versus the entire country where Donald Trump Mm -hmm. would be running against Joe Biden, meaning the contrast is different. The terms of the debate are different. The platform planks are different. Everything is different.
3: That's how shit works. What do you suppose works. the dynamic between Greg Gutfeld and, and and Jesse Waters is like, I mean, it's Gutfeld like, God, this guy's a fucking idiot. I like, would be nice to him.
2: Yes. Yes. You're exactly right. That's my assumption. That Gutfeld Anything hates one. Waters
3: water. is we just like, oh, man, Greg, you're so cool. You know, or like, what's the deal? That's it, because I think
2: Gutfeld has been around longer than Jesse Waters has. Jesse Waters was just like a production assistant under Bill O'Reilly, who eventually Bill O'Reilly decided, hey, let's send this asshole out to harass homeless people and to harass high school principals, non-combatants. That's how Jesse Waters got his start, being Mm -hmm. that guy who goes and hangs out, stalks teachers in parking lots or at their homes knocking on their door or intruding in their driveway or garage or whatever.
3: Who what was it was it that took him to task. It was a, it was someone who I thought was going to run for office and then he didn't or something. He was like an Iraq war vet. who's was like, you happy doing this Jesse being a little butt boy. Like, <laughs> yeah. It was hardcore. And they actually ran the video, which showed me that actually even O'Reilly is contemptuous of Jesse Waters.
2: Yeah. I totally remember that. Uh, I don't remember exactly who the person was, but I remember that scene I remember Jesse Waters going to Union Station in New York City and finding people who clearly suffered from mental illness or drug addiction, and he just relentlessly made fun of them, Mm -hmm. basically narked on them. Like, how dare you, homeless person, how dare you live here in this train station, you know, seeking shelter from the cold and the rain and the awfulness outside? How dare you do this? Just going around. Hilarious. Bill O'Reilly thought it was funny as fuck. Big, big ratings. Jesse Waters goes around, punches homeless people verbally.
3: I just remember him, like, harassing old ladies in Chinatown, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I just, I'm like, dude, why?
2: He even did one thing where there was some some guy, some homeless person who took a crap in the middle of, I don't know, Fifth Avenue or something like Uh. that. And he made a whole segment around this guy. Donald I Trump. <laughs> yes. <yeah. laughs> All right. Uh, probably, I don't know. but seriously, this became a source of comedy. This is how awful Jesse Waters is. And obviously, as we heard, he doesn't know anything to make up for the fact that he's just a horrendous person. And I seriously believe that Greg Gutfeld is resentful of Jesse Waters. I think Greg Gutfeld sees right through Jesse Waters. Knows that he's a charlatan, that he's nothing but a, an overpaid troll. And I'm sure that Greg Gutfeld would rather have that eight o'clock slot himself
3: rather than being relegated to, uh, to late. Yeah, night. we've seen your show, Greg, and yeah, just yeah. how excruciating it is.
2: It's painful. It's like, uh, like that Bruno Kirby character in Good Morning Vietnam. It's that level of awfulness, like cringe, cringe comedy. Okay, so meantime, the Biden economy continues to Boom. Boom, boom, boom. What do you say about that, Howard Dean? I agree. So, first of all, the fourth quarter GDP numbers are out. Fourth quarter, 2023, and I'm trying to open this file. Here we go. Here we go right now. U.S. economy booms with 3.3% growth in the final quarter of 2023. Enormous. It's much stronger growth than economists expected and caps a year of economic resilience. This is from Axios. As the nation avoided a projected recession. That's not going to happen, Chai Todd. Virtually in our recession, Chat Todd. The economy... Think of uh, all the things that we could
3: accomplish could accomplish in a second administration. Yeah. We could expand the court, the Supreme Court. We can continue to clean up yeah. the environmental disaster. I mean, just like... I'm sorry, so much of me has been focused on what we can't let happen mm-hmm. in November that I just suddenly just, it opened up in front of me as you were talking, just yeah. the vista of, like, ah. I mean, it's going to, if he, he if, if he wins his second term, which hopefully, please God, he will, it's going to be more theatrics from the, the dumb shit caucus. Oh, yeah. And more Hunter, 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 but... We're entering
2: into a period of economic prosperity that's already underway in terms of the numbers, but in terms of people actually feeling the economic boom, we're at the cusp of that. And do we really want to change horses midstream, as the uh, cliche goes, and suddenly get a a tyrant president who, first of all, is going to make sure that he's never ousted from office, that he's going to stay in office permanently, there will not be an opportunity to vote him out. And in the process of doing that, Like every Republican president for the last hundred years, Donald Trump will preside over another deep recession. It will absolutely happen. The historic trend proves it. Every time there's a Republican president, there's a recession, either a deep recession or shallow recession. Nevertheless, a recession of some form. Donald Trump had two recessions during his one loser term. He had a manufacturing recession. The guy who builds things had a manufacturing recession in 2019. But
3: it's infrastructure week, Bob.
2: I know. Forever. <laughs> right. Uh, I've got more about that uh, manufacturing recession here in a second, uh, comparing uh, Donald Trump's record with Joe Biden's record. Donald Trump ended his one term with a net job loss of 2.9 million jobs. Donald Trump presided,
3: and they were all people who were his lawyers at some
2: point, right? Right? <laughs> yeah, the, the business, the businessman president lost 2.9 million jobs. It's the worst jobs record in modern history. That's the worst jobs record since Herbert Hoover. That's Donald Trump. That's your businessman president. You suckers. Jesus, God. So there's that. Um, Let's see, the economic growth has been underpinned by booming consumer spending. That continued even as prices for many items remained steep and interest rates rose. That dynamic continued in the fourth quarter, which saw consumer spending boom, rising at a 2.8% annual rate, only slightly easing from the 3.1% in the previous quarter. An economic boom. You know what, let's listen to Jared Bernstein. This is Jared Bernstein, economist Jared Bernstein. This was on uh, New Year's Eve. So we're setting the Wayback Machine about a month And this is how you talk about the booming economy. Here's Jared Bernstein.
6: Well, I think on New Year's Day, a good place to start is uh, let's look at what folks were saying uh, last New Year's. At the beginning of this year, you had most financial outlets and many economists assuring us that a recession was inevitable Mm -hmm. and uh, that the unemployment rate would have to rise many points in order to get inflation down. Uh, Go back a year and a half and the price of gas was north of five dollars again. Today, as I sit and talk to you on New Year's Eve Day, there is no recession. Uh, Unemployment has been below 4% for 22 months in a row price of gas this morning was $3.11 on average across the nation and below $3 a gallon in 28 states. Wow. Now this combination of lowering inflation, and inflation is on a solid glide path back to its pre-recession, pre-pandemic rate, this combination of tight labor markets and easing prices has led to real wage gains. On a yearly basis, wages for mid-level workers have been beating prices for nine months in a row. That's a trend, Mike, not okay. a blip. Now you mm-hmm. reasonably ask why? Why isn't that uh, reaching more Americans? Well, if we look at our two most closely watched measures of consumer uh, sentiment, consumer confidence, they both rose big time in uh, December. One was up 10 percent, the other a whopping 14 percent. Wow. Now, that's one month. That's not yet a trend. But it's certainly suggestive that the measures that this president is taking to help provide support and relief to families like the one he grew up in are working and that people are starting to feel it.
2: The amazing thing about this economic boom, by the way, is that you can draw a direct line from the economic indicators, the strong economic indicators, to actual legislative achievements, signature achievements by the Biden administration and the uh, congressional Democrats. It's the infrastructure, uh, or I'm sorry, the Inflation Reduction Act. It's the bipartisan infrastructure bill. These are things that have juiced the economy in a significant way. So these are definitively, Joe Biden accomplishments. Mm
5: -hmm.
2: I don't care what you think about his age or whatever, his stutter or whatever you have to say about Joe Biden personally. He is a competent president who has achieved significant things in a time of extreme divisiveness.
3: Well, a presidency isn't just one man or woman. Right. They bring in a whole echelon of... Economists mm-hmm. and civil servants and defense people and planners and thinkers and you know and the whole problem with the Trump administration is that they were trying to run it like they ran the Trump Org, which yeah. was like five <laughs> stupid people on a giant mound of phony paper. Yeah, you know, and it just like, yep, yeah, you can't govern that way. And it anyway, mm-hmm. it's just yeah, it's non-transferable, not scalable. The Trump business model.
2: Well, here's one of the things that I think we should all be ballyhooing a lot more often. And remember, ultimately, this comes down to, man, there's obviously significant onus on the Biden campaign itself and the Democratic Party to create a message and to get that message to resonate. But we all have a role to play as individual messengers who can circulate this shit. We all have followings on social media. We should be spreading this stuff around. Don't wait for the campaign to do something, just do it. You see some good news about the Joe Biden presidency? Share that shit. For example, construction spending for factories is booming right now. Donald Trump, during his four years, presided over basically flatline spending for manufacturing mm-hmm. and building new factories. So, let's say 2021, when he left office, spending on manufacturing plants was around $6 billion a month. Well, first of all, I'm looking at a chart right now that looks like one of those hockey stick climate crisis charts that mm-hmm. Al Gore always shows, where it just spikes right up at the end. So between 2021 and right now, we're seeing this huge spike in spending on uh, building new factories. And it's now up to $18 billion a month. That's three times the number that it was under Donald Trump. That's massive. You know what that means? I've talked about this before. But that means more jobs in the factories, obviously factory workers, factory management, the distribution of the things that come out of that factory.
3: Yeah, infrastructure, highways, bridges. Yeah,
2: exactly right. Mm -hmm. On top of the fact that America is building shit. I mean, these are American factories. Once again, like the uh, Inflation Reduction Act and the bipartisan infrastructure bill, you can draw a direct line between this and something like the CHIPS Act, which was another massive signature achievement for the Biden administration. These are all things that I think once this message starts circulating and goes viral, it's got the advantage of not only being a positive message about the economy, when ultimately every election is kind of decided it's won or lost on the economy. But it's one of those things where it's going to coincide with the Biden message about the economy. So people are going to hear Joe Biden and the Biden campaign ballyhooing their economic successes, and it's going to coincide with, the real feeling by consumers, by voters, that the economy is in fact booming. That sense of, oh, things are, my God, things are really good right now. So uh, that's all great news for the Biden campaign. Meantime, we gotta talk about this Pentagon investigation because this is vindication for all of us who were talking about this when uh, Dr. Ronnie Jackson was nominated by Trump for the Department of Veterans Affairs. And so right around that time, John Tester dropped a press statement, or I forget exactly what the format was, but he accumulated a bunch of evidence that Dr. Ronnie and the people working for Dr. Ronnie were just distributing all kinds of prescription drugs to White House staffers, handing out things like ProVigil. Remember, we were talking about ProVigil, which is a cognitive enhancer. I wonder if I still would try that one.
3: I gotta say, like even though (laughs) you want to sample it, you want to sample. I mean, God, you know, I'm pretty smart, but there are things that I just can't glom onto, like like quantum physics. I just I can't quite. Yeah, you get to a certain level of Einsteinian kind of (laughs) computations that I'm just like, huh, why? I yeah. did like the whole like time slowing down when you move this at the speed of light or I yeah. uh, like anyway. So, yeah, <laughs> I would like to try some ProVigil, please.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, White House pharmacists I reportedly learned to
3: do my taxes or something. You know,
2: <laughs> White House pharmacists reportedly distributed uppers and downers like candy. This is according to the Rolling Stone to Trump administration officials during his time in office, according to a new report from the Department of Defense Inspector General. The 80-page document, which was released on January 8, found that, quote, all phases of the White House medical unit's pharmacy operations had severe and systemic problems due to the unit's reliance on ineffective internal controls to ensure compliance with pharmacy safety standards. The investigation, which began in 2018, after the Office of Inspector General received complaints about improper medical practices within the White House medical unit, at the time run by Dr. Ronnie, the Candy Man, is what they called him. Found, so, this- like
3: Stephen Miller, like gets a headache. Go. And there's like a clinic in the White House that you can go to. Yes, I mean, yeah, apparently, yeah. Uh, and you, he's like, <laughs> and you're like, well, here I have a Percocet. You know, I mean. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is he just like, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah, I'm having they trouble They have their waking. own,
4: like, hospital at the White House, basically.
3: Yeah, it was a
2: long flight home on Air Force One. I'm exhausted. Do you have any provisional? Yes, of course. Here you mm-hmm. go. Here's an entire bag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they distribute them in, in
3: bags, but. I'm sure it comes you know in know, bottles. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like no, you got to go
4: in the hallway, and then you exchange it like you're just shaking hands. Yeah. <laughs>
2: right there's those, uh, those drops like they do in breaking bad where someone sits on exactly. a on a bench
4: that's how it happens yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, the medical units' operations fall under the jurisdiction of the White House military Office the report covers a period between 2009 and 2018 with a majority of its findings coalescing around huh shocking 2017 to 2019 during the height of the Trump administration while Trump lived under the White House roof the pharmacy reportedly kept messy handwritten records. Spent lavishly on brand name medications and failed to comply with a slew of federal law and Department of Defense re- regulations governing the handling, distribution, and disposal of prescription medication. Through in-person inspections and interviews with over 120 officials, the report concluded that, quote, the White House Medical Unit provided a wide range of health care and pharmaceutical services to ineligible White House staff. In violation of federal law You can't law get a
3: job there if you have anything on your credit rating, or you've <laughs> like ever smoked pot. Right. Like I mean, right. aside from like the president's family, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. To get a job at the White House, you have to have basically been a Christian missionary since birth.
2: One witness told the DoD uh, OIG that pharmacy staff regularly prepared go bags. See, I was right. Go bags. It's a go bag. It's a bag. Bag was the accurate term. See, I stumbled onto that one. Go bags of prescription medication to White House staff in advance of overseas trips. Quote, one of our requirements was to go ahead and make packets up for the controlled medications. And those would typically be uh, Ambien or ProVigil and typically both, the witness said. So we would normally make these packets of Ambien and ProVigil with a lot of times they'd be in, like, five tablets in a Ziploc bag.
3: Okay, Bob, we got you. I know, <laughs> sorry. Let I'm sorry. Let go. I know,
2: I know. <laughs> <laughs> And so, I mean, the
3: odds were that it was going to come in a bag know, or I a know. bottle. I mean, I'm, you only had a 50 I mean, it's like, you know, we're not handing them out in like, you know, kangaroo pouches or something. I mean, yeah. well, I'm so seldom. Shelly's <laughs> got some drugs in his pouch. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm so seldom correct that I'm glad that I finally got something right here. Uh, oh, anyway, I see. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so obviously what they're doing here is they're giving out Ambien, and then to counteract the effect of the Ambien, they're giving out Provigil which is like putting a humidifier and a dehumidifier in the same room and letting them battle it out. You know, it was (laughs) Stephen Wright junk. And so like, I wonder if there was any like press statements or scandals that occurred because someone was ambient sleepwalking in the white house and just doing shit. Like, uh, didn't it make Roseanne super racist at some point, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, I mean, that, that could actually be a thing. Like maybe fire and fury was all about Donald Trump ambient sleepwalking. He was he was ambient threatening nuclear war.
3: And I'm joking really about that, I See him as an ambient guy. Like I see the rest of them taking ambient, but like he's the one that's like up tweeting at 3:30 in the morning. Oh yeah. And I just like I think he, Trump is like strictly uppers dude. Yeah. Stri- well, but then he has these drowsy speeches too. Maybe right.
2: Yeah, it know. says here uh, provigil is a stimulant used to treat narcolepsy. Both are considered controlled substances. <laughs> Jesus.
4: I know someone uh, who has narcolepsy. It's a serious, it's it a serious is. problem. And no, she, it's, it's hard for her to terrifying. do anything. It's really difficult. Yeah,
3: yeah. it is. It is. And it also like it, it's like, stress makes them like floods uh-huh. their brain with the sleep signal. Mm-hmm. And so,
4: yeah, no, my friend Don has it and it's, it's hard for her. I mean, she's obviously lived with it cause she's in her f- early fifties, I think. Um, but it's difficult i mean driving think about it you get stressed out in traffic boom i mean it's it's not <laughs> a-
3: god how terrifying
4: you know, think about yeah. it, and she does. You know, I mean, that's hard. Um, so it's it's. I, I she seems fine whenever mm-hmm. I, I have yet to see her have an episode. Yeah. But um, she's also on that drug, most likely that I would imagine is not fun to be on.
2: Well, this is obviously not going to people with actual narcolepsy. So this is just handing them out. Okay, you're it's a little groggy from being on Ambien. Here's some Provigil wake you up. It's the typical thing. It's like Elvis, Elvis Presley in the 70s. That's what he used to do. So, uh, thank you, Dr. Ronnie. Yep. Rocky Mountain Mike.
6: He's Trump's friend until the end. Dr. Ronnie. Takes that drink, it kind of helps him think.
3: Dr. Ronnie. Dr. Ronnie.
6: He's a man Trump likes to say. He's going to privatize the VA. Watch him crush and burn, Dr. Ronnie. Well, 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 Trump's feeling fine. He's six three ways, two (laughs)
3: thirty-nine.
2: (laughs) Dr. Ronnie. Rocky Mountain Mike, Rocky MNT, and Mike on Twitter. Yes, so still to come here on the show, we got to talk about uh, this bipartisan immigration bill, which is uh, in danger of being killed thanks to reneging Republicans and Donald Trump himself. So we'll talk about that here in a second. Plus, 64,000 rape victims became pregnant in states with abortion bans. We're going to talk about that, too, and wrap up the show right
5: after these words. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. Looking for a willow in the wind A temporary place to hide within
2: This brand new Luke LeBlanc A song called I, A Place The album is called From Places away, away. And the place you can download it Is uh, from the description under this episode So go I do it Get into your record collection. As your attorney, I advise you to download this song now. Okay, getting back into things here before we wrap up the show. Uh, Donald Trump is killing this bipartisan immigration bill because he wants to blame Joe Biden for the border thing. He wants border as a campaign issue. Uh, Mitch McConnell is now suggesting a new course of action and endangering aid to Ukraine and Israel in the process. According to a GOP source familiar with the matter, McConnell told Republicans at a private Wednesday meeting that they are quote, in a quandary given the bipartisan talks over immigration have created intraparty feuding and may have closed off a path to getting a massive package approved this Congress. The fresh doubts from the GOP uh, Senate leader, one of the leading proponents of uh, more Ukraine aid, suggest Congress may have to punt on the issues altogether or break up the package into individual pieces, though no decisions have been made. McConnell's goal at the meeting, sources said, was to lay out his colleagues or lay out to his colleagues that there was no clear path ahead unless members are willing to compromise. So this is all about Donald Trump's push to kill this bipartisan immigration deal. Yep. 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 This reminds me of Nixon in 68, Reagan in 1980. Mm -hmm. They'd rather have the issue than solve the problem. And they're obviously operating behind the scenes- clandestinely to get this thing killed. Donald Trump's reelection chances are more important than actually doing this thing that they were on the verge of passing. And then whiny diaper baby starts throwing a fit and crapping his pants. And then Mitch McConnell has to back away because no matter what happens, Mitch McConnell and the Republican Party are always going to kiss Donald Trump's ass. And I don't understand it. I don't, understand. I don't understand
3: it either. I, you know, you, you, I, I mean, I, at this point, you would think that they would be just sick of him, but I mean, they're. Uh, yeah, they keep whizzing on such, the electric fence,
2: right? It's
3: such so cowards. Mm hmm. Right. McConnell, what's his face, Lindsey Graham, you know, and it's like, you guys, I mean, where is your sense of, like, we were here first, you Mm. are, you you know, a revist, you fucking, like, you know, carpetbagger. You didn't have a political affiliation before you decided to run for president. Right. You were, you know, why didn't you run for New York mayor or something? But no, you got to, I mean.
2: Well, Donald Trump isn't the only person running for office this year. Uh, Every Republican in the House is running for office this year. Yep. Uh, What is it? Something like, uh, I don't know. Is it a third of the Senate? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I want to say somewhere around, what is 11 or 15 Republicans up for re election this year? Yeah. Uh, There are more Democrats up for re election in the Senate, obviously, which makes the map tough for uh, uh, Democratic chances on the Senate side, but nevertheless. Fucking Senate. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Every now and then I get mad because, like, you know, Idaho has like the same population as like one borough of LA, Mm -hmm. but they have two senators. You yeah. Know, and just like California. And I just mm.
2: well, the, see, now I, I'm in this weird place as far as that goes. And, and maybe you guys can talk me down off of this. But I feel as though the whole representation thing. I mean, obviously, the Senate has significant power that the House doesn't have. The House chamber can't confirm judges and so forth. And the House is all about appropriations. The power of the purse that starts in the House chamber. The the compromise when the Congress was being set up in the Constitution was that every state gets two senators. But then on the House side, everyone gets a number of representatives based on the state's population. So Idaho, while it has the same number of senators as California, Idaho has far fewer representatives in the House. So when it comes to so when it comes to appropriations, Idaho has a bit less of a say when it comes but to spending bills, but we treat
3: the Senate bills. as the greater body. Yeah, people don't like they what you know, is called move the upper up chamber, from the House yeah, to yeah. the Senate, mm-hmm. and the well, Senate they consider
4: has- it more deliberative. And it's it's based on bullshit. It's it's yeah. it's bullshit. Yeah, it's I, exactly. bullshit I'm sorry, but I just think I think it's it's terrible. And also, California should have more representatives than it does. The fact that we're keeping the House at four thirty-five constantly when our population oh, yeah. keeps growing
2: yeah. is bullshit. Good point. That's a great point, and I absolutely agree with that. Same goes for the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court should have many more members.
4: At least 13. We have 13 district courts. We need 13 SCOTUS members because they all control a district Yeah. court. And so that gives them more work. So there's 13 uh, districts that they got to go. Let's give them 13 to each guy or girl works one set. I mean, this Mm. is fucking bullshit.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, you're right. And but when it comes to representation, the idea, the compromise that was established by the framers of the Constitution was, all right, well, we're going to create two chambers instead of just one chamber. On the Senate side, it'll all be equal. All the states will have equal representation. And then on the House Mm -hmm. side, everyone will have representation based on population. So this way, there's also, you know, the big states get more representation based on the number of people, the significantly larger number of people in those states. So I feel as though that's a fair compromise, uh, but... I think maybe the division of power needs to be a little bit more even. Maybe the House having some sort of role in approving, you know, or advising consent on other matters that are maybe the same level of importance as approving judges, something along those lines. So maybe there's a solution. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so one last thing here before we wrap up. Um, 64,000 rape victims out of a total 520,000 rapes resulted in pregnancy in all these states with abortion bans. It is a oh night God. Yeah. I mean, it is phenomenally bad. Now, it doesn't say here in this article whether or not all those pregnancies uh, were carried to term, but we should assume that they were because abortion is illegal. I mean, some of them could have been legitimate miscarriages or whatever. Uh, But that's a, a huge and catastrophic number. Yeah. Uh, the research letter published by the Journal of American Medical Association Internal Medicine, JAMA Internal Medicine, as it says here, and headed up by the medical director at Planned Parenthood of Montana estimated that nearly 520,000 rapes were associated with 64,000 pregnancies across 14 states, most of which had no exceptions that allowed for terminations of pregnancies that resulted as a, uh, because of rape. Texas top I'm, the list.
3: Sixty-four thousand—it's a whole city. Yes, I mean of women. Like, I mean, that's sixty. I just—I can't even wrap my head. Or, I mean, yeah. I guess I knew that that many women were getting raped mm-hmm. on well, some level, but it just.
4: Oh no! Mm. It's more than that, David. Those are just the ones. Those, that are, the we're pregnancies. Pregnancies, those
3: are the ones, that, yeah. yeah. Those were the yeah. ones that weren't like sodomized or just. You know, I mean, that's the thing. Five,
2: 500. I'm glad you brought this up, David, because the abortion aspect of this is obviously super important. But but we're talking about five hundred twenty thousand rapes in these states. Five hundred twenty thousand rapes. Rapes.
3: People are getting five hundred and twenty thousand. Wait,
4: but I thought that in Texas, Governor Abbott was going to get rid of rape.
3: Oh, God.
4: Hat tip to Dana Goldberg for that. But yeah, yeah, he said he was going to get rid of rape. I'm just going to stop rape. And it's like, cool.
2: Mm -hmm. 45% of the rape-related pregnancies occurring within Texas, researchers estimated. 91% of the estimated rape-related pregnancies took place in states without exceptions for rape, according to the researchers. Few, if any, of the women and girls who became pregnant because of rape obtained in-state abortions legally. Uh, suggesting that rape exceptions fail to provide reasonable access to abortion for survivors. See, the problem with these kinds of laws, even if there is an exception for rape, what doctor is going to do this? What doctor, what hospital, what doctor's office is going to jump into that fucking propeller? And you know, if I was potential. a
3: doctor, I would be like, come and get me.
2: Well, yeah, I, obviously, you know, like, yeah. I'm going
3: to treat my patients and doctors have money to defend themselves.
2: There are many brave oh, doctors who will do it, but there are also doctors who don't want the trouble. You know what I mean? And no, that makes it even worse. That most makes Most of them
3: don't. Yeah. They're very risk averse.
2: Even with the exception, there are doctors who will not do it. And so consequently, you know, it's sort of a tacit ban on abortion for rape victims. Even in places where abortion for rape victims is is legal, it's just—it's.
4: I still hate that fucking exception bullshit.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's and and that's the other issue. That's the other thing that I talk about a lot. I think one of the things that lost this debate is the fact that the Republicans got us off into this discussion about exceptions rather than just keeping abortion legal as a matter of health care. Right. Right. Thank you. So we ended up debating whether it's rape or incest or whatever. As a,
4: Incest is rape, as far as I'm concerned.
3: Sure. Y- yeah, but nobody but, consents to have sex with their dad.
2: <laughs> but this, so the then,
3: brother. Yeah, but Sorry, but then
2: what happens is when we end up in the discussion about the exceptions and say we win that discussion. Say, okay, yes, there should be an exception for rape in a state legislature. Yeah, but you have to
4: prove that in a court of law. And that takes way longer than a gestation of a fetus.
2: Sure, sure. But what I'm saying is, what happens is abortion gets banned while we were discussing the, you know, the exception instead of focusing on the the larger issue. And that's that's a tragedy. And, And that's where, you know... Republican consultants have completely fucked up America on so many levels. And this is one of the major, major levels.
4: I blame Frank Luntz singularly.
2: Yes, uh, I agree with that assessment. He's one of the prime suspects. He's very
4: good at his job. I will give him that. He's very, very good at his job. I just wish he would work for good and not evil.
2: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely agree. Okay, still to come here uh, because we are doing more show that appears on our Patreon page. It's called The Shadow Docket. Once this music is done playing, we keep on talking. And you can only listen if you subscribe for $5 a month on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash show. It's very easy to do. Just go to patreon.com slash show click the link for the Shadow Docket level, put in your, your information, and you're all set. You can start listening. You can download the app. You can participate in the chat room, which is a lot of fun. You can post comments. You can send me DMs. You can join our amazing community of listeners and Patreon subscribers on the Patreon page. So please do that. Get going. We're going to talk about uh, a new record for the Affordable Care Act. That's coming up. Nice. Uh, Let's see what else here Uh, Charlie Kirk is a racist nimrod And we have audio evidence of that Yeah well we knew that (laughs) I know there's more evidence though Jon Stewart We're going to talk about Jon Stewart here in a second too Plus uh, Trump's Trump has an explanation for his weight loss That's coming up next See you over there folks Bye bye